Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name's David Abel. Today, I'm joined by Rick Hackman and Rob Longo. Welcome, one and all. Good to be here, David. Hi, David. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts? I would love to. In the name of the The Father, Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Spirit. amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts with your love. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with your wisdom. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with your knowledge and understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with your docility that we will be moldable, teachable. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Mass. And, and on Sunday, we're going to encounter you, Lord, in your word, in the Eucharist, in, in, with each other, with our, our, our priest. Uh, and as we prepare ourselves for Sunday, uh, Lord, just help us truly to to enter into the gospel that we will hear. Uh, help us to enter into that now and just be totally open to receiving anything that you want to give us, any direction, any correction, uh, any challenge. And Lord, please fill us with the courage that we need to live the gospel, to live your word every day as husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, friends, colleagues, in every aspect of our lives, that we will be the light your light in all situations. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Rick, do you mind giving us a little bit of gospel love today? Be glad to. As David said, the gospel comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We can. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. The, the word that jumped out at me, uh, Rick, when you were reading that is indignant. Um, so here, James and John, you know, maybe not one of their most stellar moments in, uh, in, their, in their walk with the Lord, uh, you know, did what they did, what we just heard, you know, asking to, telling Jesus, you know, I want to sit at your right and your left. And the others became indignant. And how easy is that for us to, to look at others and maybe take ourselves off the hook. You know, we're, we, we have our own struggles. We have our own sins. We have our own, you know, falls that we, you know, we need the Lord to help us with. Uh, but sometimes I guess I can become indignant and look at other people and just be like, oh, look at that person. Look look what they're doing. And uh, it just takes, you know, I'm trying to take the focus off of me as opposed to just asking God to reveal in my life where, you know, where have I fallen into into pride? Where have I fallen into you know, laziness, where have I fallen into, to greed or anger, anything, you know, it just, because the only person I can change is me, right? So God, please help me to, uh, to allow you to reveal and to change me where, uh, you know, where, where, where I'm, where I'm short where I'm falling short. And that was beautiful, Rob, because I, I always like to say that God brings sinners into my life to reveal my sin. And that's made evident right in this story. You know, we can look at the first two who say, you know, hey, Lord, do whatever we want you to do. We want to sit on your right and your left-hand side. This is all about me, myself, and I. So we immediately, you know, the 10 saw this too. They're like, huh, that's all about pride. You know, we can see the sin of pride in them, you know, and there's an arrogance in them. So that, you know, so immediately they take the bait of Satan and they become that word you used, indignant, indignant. Because the enemy of our soul, the enemy of Christianity wants to divide and conquer. And if we take the bait, if we take up an offense, he's got us on the hook. So as soon as they became indignant, Jesus recognized that sin within them, that sin of jealousy. And instead of them recognizing that their brothers were blind and praying for them and helping them, immediately they take the bait of Satan and that's meant to divide and to conquer, and Jesus clears that up for them. So, you know, for me, I always want to be alert to learn every day. Jesus taught in parables 2,000 years ago. He's teaching in parables today in our life stories. We have moments every day where God wants to teach us, and I don't want to be blind to him. I don't want to be deaf to him. I want to learn. When, when the Lord allows me to see and have a sinner be brought into my life, I want to be his heart his mercy, his compassion, you know, his, his, his love. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. So for me, keep teaching me, Lord. Keep taking me to school. I want to grow in holiness. I want to grow to purely reflect you and your love reflecting your heart. Well, one of the, one of the things that uh, I miss in this quite often, I, I look at the last part there and what Jesus teaches them. And he says that um, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. And I think, well, he's talking to James and John because they are the ones that promoted themselves and went to Jesus and wanted to sit on his right and left hand. But the, ele- but the, uh, the ten were guilty of the same thing. They weren't uh, indignant at James and John because they said, well, you should be more humble. What they it, it looks like what they were feeling was we're as good as you are. We may maybe it's us that should be sitting at Jesus' right hand or on his left hand. 
Jesus isn't just teaching James and John their error. He's talking to the whole to the whole crowd, to the whole group, and us as well, because we do exactly the same thing. Someone gets a promotion at work, and you think, maybe I should have had that. Someone comes into some uh, an inheritance of some kind. Well, where did you know? How lucky are they that they get that? And where you know where's mine? Well, you know, what am I gonna? When am I gonna see the the fruits of my labors? Kind of thing. And and he's telling all of us. You need to sit yourself at the at the lowest place at the table so you can be lifted up, not put yourself at the head so that because uh, you might be brought down. I love that, Rick. That was beautiful. And I always like to say I'm a constant work in progress, and I am open, Lord. Do what you need to do in me, through me, with me. I'm all in, Lord. So sometimes he uses a hammer and a chisel, and sometimes he uses a jackhammer. But for me, I'm all in. Cause why? Because I want to I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the Bible clearly tells us, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there's three pieces of criteria. Number one, deny yourself. We see clearly here that uh, James and John, they weren't denying themselves. It was all about themselves. And then number two, pick up your cross. And and my buddy used to tell me, hey, David, don't just pick it up. Embrace it. Because through that experience in the cross, you will grow in in holiness. You will grow in wisdom. God will use that for your purification. So pick up your cross. And then the key word is follow me, follow Jesus. And there's another little word that comes after that, which kind of frustrates me, daily. <laughs> it's yeah. not a once and done phenomena. It's a daily journey. So it's a matter of when you wake up in the morning, man, start with God. Pray the morning fa- prayer that's found in our Stewardship and Mission of Faith prayer booklet. Start your day with God. Give your day with God. Invite Jesus along for the journey. Ask the Holy Spirit to light your path. And man, let it be that great adventure. So for me, following Jesus is that last line. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life away as a ransom for many. Every time I give that precious gift of my life away for my daughter, which I'm going to leave here in a half hour, to drive an hour and a half to go see her soccer game, second to last game, that giving of that gift of my life brings her something that no amount of money, no new car, no present, no nothing can buy. She's going to look and see me and say, my daddy loves me. Two days ago, I went to her game and got to see her score her first goal for Penn State in college uh, soccer. And she looked and saw me. And, of course, me, I'm a little vocal. I'm up there cheering. The whole place heard me. And But that told her, I love you because I gave you the gift of my life, my time. I gave it to you as your father to be here for your moment of glory, not mine. That's what it is, Rob. It's that giving of that gift that no amount of money can buy. That's an expression of love that just brings this overwhelming joy to one's heart. We can say I love you all we want, but without actions, it's it's a hollow gong. And that's where James really hits it home. He says, you know what? Faith without works is dead. It's lip service. And that's why it's faith living in works of love. It's expressed through those works of love. Our yes to the Lord, our all in, that faith is expressed through works of love. 
Amen. And, and as you're sharing this, uh, the, the beautiful story about your daughter's soccer game, I'm thinking of James and John and uh, you know how they were here, right? They were there, but they weren't present. You know, the, the, this past week we were in a couple of different schools, and I would ask the kids, right, "Raise your hand if you're here." And you all look at each other like, "Oh wait, is, it, is, it, is this a trick question?" I was like, "No, it's not a trick question. Raise your hand if you're here." And I said, "If no one, if someone's not raising their hand, just give them a little elbow because they're here." And they all raised their hand. And I said, "All right, can you be here and not present at the same time?" And they look, and they say, "Oh, I know what you're saying." Like usually, like you, you see that light bulb the moment. Aha moment, yeah. And then I said, well, what, "What does that mean?" And they said, "Well, we're here, yes, you know, because we're here. Our bodies are here, and we have to be here. We're in class, but being present is is different. That we we're here because we want to be here. Our hearts are here. Our minds are here, right? So James and John were here. They were there, but they weren't present. Like they 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 weren't in the moment." With Jesus, I mean, Jesus is is there, and and he's telling them things, and he's showing them things, and and they're, he's he's sharing his life with them, and they were they were they were somewhere else, right? They were there, but they weren't fully present. And the gift of our presence is what Jesus, when Jesus says, "I thirst," you know, he's on the cross, and he says, you know, seven last things, and one of those last things he says is, "I thirst, I thirst," and he wasn't looking for the you know the water boy to bring him Gatorade. He's saying, "I thirst for your presence, I thirst for your heart, I thirst for your yes." Right, that every day, every moment that we are not only here but present, because Jesus is always present to us. The day that we say, "Lord, I am here, and I want to be here." Yes, I'm at church. I'm here, but I want to be here. I'm I'm entering into prayer, and I, I want to be here. I want to be here. I want to be present for you. And that's where I think James and John might have gotten a little off because they started thinking, and as we could, right? We, we we get distracted. We think of a bunch of different things. And even there could be times where like we are here and we're present, but then we start to daydream or we get into habits and routines. Even if we're going to daily mass, sometimes that can become a habit, right? We can just kind of go because that's what we do every morning. And we're here, right? But are we truly present? Are we engaging? Are we encountering are we encountering Jesus in the moments of our lives? There's a a quote this past week. I was le- leading some uh, some prayer reflections, and I said, "All right, guys, this is gonna be the first time that I'm leading with a quote." Well, it's not the first time I'm leading with a quote, but a quote from this particular prophet. And then said, you know, I said, "Name some prophets," and they start naming some of the prophets: Elijah and Isaiah and Moses. All right, so we're gonna lead into our our time of prayer with a quote from the prophet Selena Gomez. And then some of the people that are asleep, are like, "What?" We do- Selena Gomez, I said, yeah, you weren't expecting that. But she had this quote in answer to a question, how do you avoid the negativity of social media? And I said, guys, the first part of that answer is so practical, so beautiful. But the second part is is really, I think, divinely inspired. So the first part, she says that sometimes she has to cancel her Instagram and just, you know, just completely get off of it. So she has to go to her laptop to post something because she says you, you can get caught up in it. You can go, you know, you start with one picture and then you're in another page and then 50, you're 52 weeks into it. And she goes, it's just too much, but you have to realize that it's not real. And then the prophetic part, I think is when she said, sometimes I just have to put down my phone, look up at life and realize that I am in this moment that I will never have again. And I need to enjoy it. Let me repeat that and, and fill in the blank. She said phone. What's, what's the phone in your life? Is it the phone? Is it anger? Is it James and John, you know, trying to get ahead? Is it the jealousy of maybe the other guys? What is the phone in your life? So I need to put down the blank. Fill in your blank. I need to put down the fear for me. I need to put down the fear 
so I can look up at life and realize that I am in this moment that I will never have again and I need to enjoy it, right? What's stopping us from enjoying the moment that Jesus said that he came to give us life and give it to us to the fullest? What's, what's preventing us? What material object, what program, what relationship, what, what, what fear, anxiety, anger, resentment, what is getting in our way from looking up at life? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Looking up at life, looking up at Jesus in the moment, being with him, present in the moment, so we can enjoy the, the gift that he gave us. And, you know, I, I, I relate kind of with James and John in the, in the teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And, and as beginners in prayer, isn't that kind of what we did? Hey, Lord, I want this. I want this new bike. I want the fish to break and, and, and me catch them today. I want this. I want, this is my laundry list of what I want. You go, you go to the slot machine. You go to the Lord and you, you pray that way. So I thank the Lord that a little bit later on, the Lord teaches them because the disciples say, huh, this prayer, prayer type uh, way of praying isn't working out for us. So Lord, teach us how to pray. And this is so beautiful as Jesus taught us how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And God always tells us, come to him as children, recognizing him as Father. So Jesus starts out the prayer, our Father who art in heaven. That's how we're to come to God the Father as his children and crying out to the Father just as Jesus did in the garden. He said, Abba, Father, if it's possible, let this chalice, let this cup pass from me. But then he surrendered and said, but not my will be done, but your will be done. And that's the whole part of this question where Jesus says, ha, you do not know what you are asking. But when we surrender our prayer, our cry of the heart to the will of God the Father, then guess what? He's going to answer every one of our prayers. Why? Because the prayers of our heart are going to be united with the infinite, with his with his will. And so he prays, he teaches him, call him father. Then he says, my kingdom come, not, I'm sorry, your kingdom come, not my kingdom come. Your will be done, not my will be done, you know, on heaven as it is in earth. You know, and so that that whole prayer, that cry out of, of, of the, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, not my name. That way Jesus taught us to pray, that Lord's prayer, is a focus on God as Father, but also it's His name, His will, His kingdom, not my name, my will, my kingdom. So that's a beautiful tie-in and correlation between those two Scripture verses that really kind of opened up when you read this, Rick. And I think it helps us to to meditate because we, we can say that prayer and using the word say, right? We can say that prayer over and over and over again, and we just say it, and we say it, and we say it. But when was the last time that I truly prayed that prayer? Yes. Right? To, to do what you just did, David, where you just, you just slowly meditate on each yes. thing. And in today's culture, the kind of like pound my chest, the, you know, you just, especially with the young people looking up to a lot of sports figures, I mean, they make one little play on the field, and it's like they're pounding their chest for making a tackle. It's like, come on, you get paid millions of dollars, you made a tackle, you know, just get back in your huddle. It's like, like everybody's like, me, like, I, I did that. I made the tackle. I made the pass. You know, it's my name, my stat. So that's a beautiful reflection of, of really just, you don't even need to get by that first line. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like, Lord, where do I need to, uh, to step back, 
to be a credit maker, not a credit taker? Where do I need to to exalt your name, to give you glory? Uh, where have I tried to step in to maybe take some of the glory? Just, you know, that first line alone could be a, you know, a, a holy hour reflection in and of itself. That's beautiful, Rob. And there's another part of that Lord's Prayer that really, when you meditate on it, oh my goodness, do you realize what you're praying? And it says this, forgive us our trespasses. How? As we forgive others their trespasses. Do you realize what you're praying? So if you hold unforgiveness, you're saying and praying to God, don't forgive me of my sin of unforgiveness because I won't forgive that person. In other words, you're locking yourself in to your own prison cell when you hold on to unforgiveness because we pray to the Lord, forgive us our sins, our trespasses, as we forgive others. So if we hold on to any offense, any unforgiveness, we are actually preventing God from forgiving us our trespasses by our own free will choice. And when I realize that, I'm like, oh my goodness, why is that? Because when we hold on to it, we can't be free. The enemy's got us in his trap. But when we truly let go, let God forgive through the grace of God, we're set free. We're set free. So, so important. That prayer, you could just meditate on it, meditate on it, meditate on it. And I, there's a beautiful piece in the catechism that just goes on and on and on about that prayer. It breaks it open. It's like, wow, this is rich water. And sometimes I think we just need to be reminded more than instructed, right? We, we've heard uh, Jesus over and over again. I'm sure growing up we've heard it about serving and, and uh, you know, having a servant's heart. And maybe today is the day that we're just being reminded, right? We're not, we're not instructing you. We're just, you know, we're, we're reminding you. We're reminding each other. The Lord's reminding us, right? We're just in this together, you know, just reminding, uh, being reminded that, that there is beauty in service. There is peace in serving others. And James and John probably thought that, you know, that it would make them happy if they got those seats at the right and at the left. And so many times we, we live our lives trying to pursue happiness and I just heard this talk last week, and it was a, a, a famous leadership consultant. He was addressing 10,000 college young men and women, and he talked about his own journey where he said, all right, you know, when I was in high school, I said, oh, Lord, if, I, if you can get me in this college, I'll be happy. And he got into the college. Oh, God, if you can get me you know, good grades, help me get good grades, I'll be happy. Well, he got good grades. If you can you know, help me date this girl, I'll be happy. He dated the girl. If you can help me get this job, I'll be happy. He got the job. Oh, if I can just get this promotion, I'll be happy. He got the promotion. And on and on and on and on. He kept asking for more, and he kept getting what he thought was going to make him happy. And what happened? He needed the next thing to make him happy. And he said he got to the pinnacle of his career. He was a Radio City Music Hall at the number one management leadership consult, you know, conference in the world on the agenda with past presidents and, and sports figures and business leaders, he was rated the number one speaker in that conference. He said he finished his talk. He walked off the stage of Radio City Music Hall and he said he had never felt emptier in his life. And he left, went to St. Patrick's Cathedral, dropped to his knees and said, God save me. And, and in his heart, he felt God saying, all these things you're pursuing, thinking you were, you were looking for happiness, what you're really looking for is peace. Peace. Jesus wants to give us that peace that the world cannot take away. The gifts that Jesus gives us, that God wants to give us, the world cannot take away. But the gifts that the world can give us, 
sometimes God has to take them away in order for us to grow closer to him. So in our pursuit of what we think is going to make us happy, really, let's change it. Nice God, please. Shalom. Peace. I want, I want that peace that surpasses all understanding that if I'm going for the job and I'm praying about it, if I get it or I don't get it, I'm still at peace. If I'm, if I'm going for the promotion, if I get it or I don't get it, I'm still at peace because your will be done. Yeah. And, you know, Rob, they went to him as teacher. They addressed him as teacher. Jesus still teaches us. He left us his church, Holy Mother Church, that contains the full deposit of truth, that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And as a Catholic, oh my goodness, that security to know that I can give up my opinion, whether this is sin, isn't sin, is right, isn't right, whether I should do it, shouldn't do it, and go to Holy Mother Church for truth. And the Bible itself says that the church is the bulwark and the foundation of truth. So if Holy Mother Church teaches it, I give up my opinion. I'm going to be obedient. This is Christ's church. And that is the safety that we as Catholics have when we truly give up our opinions, when we truly surrender to Christ alive and still teaching in his church the same truths from the deposit of faith from the apostles passed on down for 2,000 years. Rob, it is so freeing to not have to decide myself right from wrong. Isn't there a story about, you know, choosing for the tree and eating, eating something and, uh, They get to decide what's right and wrong. That's not of God. I don't have that right. Because if I did, then so do 1.2 other billion Christians in the world, or 1.7 billion, have the right to decide what is truth, what is right, what is wrong. That's not God's truth. God established one church, Holy Mother Church, who is the bulwark and foundation of truth, who we go to. As children, and as you look at all Christendom, and they trace their roots back, they have one common denominator, that same church. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, May God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.